1: This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Foxy, Alex and Foxy, Alex, Alex and If I put out. I- In the post, then we got mild turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop smooth. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, joined by my co-host, the one and only Michael J. Fachi
2: Fachi. Special episode today for all of our listeners. Hey, Jeremiah Johnson and Pat Boylan in the building today excited. I I don't think we've connected with either of them this season, Mm -mm. so I guess it's a good way to kind of put a bow on this season almost.
1: Yeah, we've only got two games left, one at home, one on the road. The Pacers lost the Knicks by, I believe it was nine points. I can't remember the score at this point. Everything is just a blur, but it was nine. Mm -hmm. It was nine. Okay, so I was right. Now, I don't know if you saw the most recent injury report, but Jalen Smith and TJ McConnell are questionable for Friday's game.
2: Mm, no, I did not see that. I was busy working, but I did see in that game one guy who looked really good, who beat Toppin. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I saw one of the listeners of the show was like, I wonder if Tibbs did this to kind of, you know, up the trade bait. I, I know that was not the case, but it's just another sign of like, hey, that is a really talented guy that if it ever works out, the Pacers should have interest. I know they did, but regardless, uh, the Pacers stayed the course. And I think mm. that last night was uh, you know, a much needed L as the season winds down, but they still gave a very good battle, putting up 129 points.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you said one guy got thirty points, three guys from the next got thirty points. Quentin Grimes looked awesome last night in the manual quickly at thirty-nine. So, you know, that's that's kind of how it went. But, you know, it's 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 okay. I, I think we're kind of just getting excited for the future of this team, yes. but I can't wait to talk with JJ and Pat, a.k.a. the sideline guys they just had on Tony East on the same day we did. So thought that was hilarious when I saw that come out. My buddy texted me and said, I just listened to Tony East on Setting the Pace. Then I listened to Tony on Locked on Pacers, and then I listened to Tony East on <laughs> the sideline guys. So Tony was making his Pacer rounds, and then, of course, having JJ and Pat on, Fachi, I'm excited to hear their thoughts on you know the future
2: of this team. Man, collaborations left and right. You got to feel good that Pacer Nation honestly feels more connected now in a down season than maybe in years past. Everyone's coming together for a better cause, and that is just to see a a better on-court product. And I really feel that that's where we're heading, and I cannot wait until we get in the offseason. Like you mentioned, I know we still have two games, but Alex, I am just that excited to add to this team and what's in the future.
1: Absolutely, everybody. And real quick, I will be in the building for Friday's game against the Pistons. I don't know what that's going to be like, but I will definitely be there for that. So if you want to meet up, whatever, hit me up on Twitter. We'll make sure we get some photos and stuff like that. And I might even bring some shirts to pass out. don't know yet, but there's a possibility. I don't know if I can get those in the building. That's one of the questions. So don't know if I can do that or not, but... Regardless, just come find me. If I don't have shirts, we'll do something. But with that being said, Fotch, let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll bring on JJ and Pat.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: all right everybody joining us now on setting the pace you're very familiar with these two guys it's pat boylan jeremiah johnson aka the sideline guys pat jj how y'all doing
3: doing well appreciate both of you having us
1: (laughs) absolutely so with four people on here, it's going to be a little complex trying to, you know, navigate who's going first. So we'll go first here with JJ since you were on the Zoom call first. We'll give you the uh, the credit for being first, the first caller in. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, this season, it's been a bit of a, a back and forth type thing. You know, started off a lot stronger than I think people expected. And then when the Halliburton injury came, it kind of tailed off and we're now a uh, lot of rebound once again. But what are your overall takeaways from this season Maybe just overachieve, underachieve, you know, right where you thought. Where do you think they're at right now?
4: Uh, it was a tale of two seasons. And it was interesting watching the Knicks game on Wednesday and thinking that at the midway point of the season, I think the Pacers were 23 and 18 and the Knicks were 22 and 19. And then they played each other there in early January, and the Pacers season really took a turn. For the worst, you would say, just because it was the game that Tyrese Halliburton was injured. And and maybe you could say reality set in a little bit in the second half. I think the schedule was a little bit easier. So it was a tale of two seasons. But as it all ends up with 34 wins entering the final two games of the season, it's probably about where this team should have been. I mean, maybe they did overachieve early on. I do think they had some schedule advantages. And they were really healthy in that first half of the season, a lot healthier maybe some of the other teams. So that gave them some wins that maybe they shouldn't have had. They were really good in clutch situations for the most part, especially compared to last season. So that made the record maybe look a little bit better than it was. It, you'll always end this season with a little bit of a what if. What if Tyrese had not been injured for that stretch of games? And really you're only right now about three or four wins away from being right in the mix and being playing next week or even – five wins and being in the contention for the sixth seed. And that just shows you, when you lose a game in November or December, you think it's no big deal, but it can affect things at the end of the season. However, saying all of that, I think uh, it, it exceeded my expectations. I was worried about what we would talk about for 82 games, especially with what messages we were getting in September. And so to win 34, even if that's where things end right now, I think you'd have to say you exceeded the expectations. You laid a solid foundation, and I think as important as anything, and you guys deserve some credit for this as well, I think it energizes the fan base. I mean, fans are really excited about the Pacers, and we give credit to the team for playing hard. I hope the broadcasts have been entertaining, but people like you that get fans engaged and excited uh, three or four times a week, we'll give you a pat on the back as well.
2: Well, thank you for that. I I definitely appreciate that, but uh, hey, it's a team effort. I mean, this this season has been very fun, and to your point about, You know, Tyrese Halliburton. Look, JJ, I'm going to take some of the blame. I was in the building that night when Tyrese went down. Pacers were also 0-5 with me in attendance this year. Tough year for me attending games. But – well, uh, we'll start with, <laughs> are you know, going to go
4: on Sunday to Madison Square Garden then? There I am
2: up in the air about that.
4: We actually, you know,
2: might not be a bad idea. We might, yeah, I would
4: say it might be good for you to
2: be there on Sunday. Some <laughs> want me in the building for this one. But, you know, <laughs> Pat, we'll, we'll go with you. I mean, actually, Pat, you go first, then JJ, but you both have been around the team for quite some time. While this season wasn't a, a banner year, but it was a very fun year. How much fun did the both of you have covering this team uh, this season compared to maybe the past?
3: You know, I think it's always interesting to put different years into perspective. I found myself, like Jeremiah, kind of sitting there on Wednesday night against the Knicks, feeling like it felt uh, oddly appropriate that the Pacers were closing out their season with the Knicks for the reasons that Jeremiah uh, just discuss. I won't drone on and, and say the same things, but I think when you when you come back and any sport experiences is this right when you come back for the first time off of a long off season and you're not sure what to expect. And now, frankly, uh, this team did not get off to the red hot start in terms of like right out of the gates. In fact, they stumbled out of the gates. They were 0 and 2. They hadn't led uh, a single quarter in the first couple of games and then and then struggled to start game three and, and I remember thinking, you know, uh-oh, are we really going to have to figure this out this year? And then that switch just kind of flipped on the road trip, and it not only turned into, okay, this team is going to be one that is pretty competitive here, uh, but also one that is going to exceed expectations. You know, I think the Pacers are going to exceed just about every preseason prognostication. So just from that perspective, that makes a team fun to follow, one that is exceeding expectations. And- you know, I, I know Jeremiah and I on our own podcast have compared this a little bit to 2017-2018 from the perspective of expectations were low, they exceeded them, they've had a fun team to watch. You remember the first year of Victor Oladipo, how fun that was. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has brought a lot of the same energy and with him being younger, um, I think it's even more fair to imagine a ceiling much higher than that version of that team. So this this team, I think, was, was really um, badly needed in a way. You know, the Pacers the last couple of years had gone through just a tough stretch where expectations were pretty high because they had a lot of talent. They just never got that group healthy. And when they were healthy, they never really fit together like I think they hoped that they would. So to hit the reset button in a way, but to do it in a way where you instantly have the guy you're building around in the trade that they did, I think so significant. You're not doing what an Orlando had to do or maybe in a, a Detroit has had to do. You've pivoted immediately. And seeing those early season results, I think were really refreshing. And I think still should build excitement here for Pacers fans as they look into the off season and into uh, the beginning of next year. And I'll just add to that something that, you know, Pat unfortunately doesn't have the ability to do and
4: say, I have enjoyed being back on the road and around the team, not just home games, but road games and all the practices as well. Um, It's been refreshing and it's, it's nice. You, you took it for granted for a number of years. And then when it's taken away, you kind of remembered how challenging it was. And while that first season, I think we were all just grateful to be able to be, broadcasting the games, and I think the NBA was just glad that first post-COVID season to get 72 games in and start when you started just after Christmas with arenas either empty or barely filled, and then you got that season in the books. It's almost like that season was just, all right, get that, get that taken care of. And then last season was a struggle. It was a struggle. Expectations were high. They underachieved. They had to change course in the middle of the season. We were not traveling. They were never winning or playing well on the road. And so I had this kind of kind of icky feeling every time I would go to the studio to broadcast a road game because it felt like rinse repeat the same thing all over again. And this season was fresh. Everything was new. Um, the excitement level was there. You never knew what to expect. Just when you thought this they faced the game, they had no business winning. They would go and win that game. And that's part of what makes the job fun. It's what it's the reason we love sports, because you don't know what's going to happen at any particular time. And I'll just end with the thought that everyone I talked with and interacted with, I mean, there are always going to be guys that maybe they don't like doing interviews or maybe that's not their cup of tea. There was no one on this team that I said, I'm not, I really should interview so-and-so today, but he doesn't like doing it, so I can't choose him. Uh, I spread it out as much as I can. But everybody was just a good person. And then I, I'll include the coaching staff with that as well. My best, I think, interactions and what I can do during the games a lot of times is share stories um, of conversations with the assistant coaches. The fact that they were really open with me all season long and I could see the impact they were making on this team. I don't want this season to end. I don't feel the you know sadness or disappointment like some seasons when you're one game away from the playoffs or one game away from – advancing to another round. So it's it it almost feels like it's it's time for it to come to an end, but I enjoyed it. I'll still put 2017 18 above this one. Um but this one is definitely let's say top three.
1: Yeah no it's been pretty awesome and I, I will say this when I was at the game on Friday night against the Thunder, really cool to see such an energetic fan base, especially for a team that was on the brink of elimination from the playoffs. So I think the fans are a lot more engaged than probably last year. I think they were a little bit more engaged once Tyrese was traded, but still, that's just kind of how it's been. I think fans have just been eager for a youth movement and a little bit of change in direction. But uh, I'm going to start with you, Pat, this time. I'm curious, maybe one player or two that kind of overachieved this year stood out and impressed you this season.
3: Yeah, I mean, and I think the storyline here of why this season has been a success is when you ask a question like that immediately, like four or five guys kind of come flooding to my head. And when you ask preseason, what would you like to see from this Pacers team? What do you need to call it a success? Uh, You know, guys like Tyrese Halliburton taking that next step were huge. Does Benedict Matherin look like the type of guy um, who can be uh, somebody that you're building the franchise around? Both of those questions have been yes. Both of those guys, I think I would argue more significant in terms of the uh, impact on the future of the franchise than the guy I'm about to name. Uh, But Andrew Nemhard came in with zero expectations, frankly. Um, You know, he didn't even play, I don't think, in that first game of the season. Um, You had T.J. McConnell as your backup point guard. He wasn't this young, ceiling is, you know, through the sky type of prospect. And you just kind of figured, well, maybe this will be a guy that in a couple of years is your backup point guard. At least that's what I figured. I don't want to speak for anybody else. They spoke glowingly of him, Rick Carlisle and Kevin Pritchard. But uh, that oftentimes is the case off of draft night and uh, the guy came in and I think like that impact moment that really hit me was that first stretch of games where Halliburton was out and the Pacers were on the road Um, and he has the game winning three against the Lakers and then he has kind of the close the door shot uh, against the Warriors and it was like wow this guy might be for real and as you've watched him throughout the rest of the year I think he's done an excellent job at fitting in wherever he's been asked not easy of a rookie uh, and in these games where the Pacers haven't had Tyrese Halliburton, he's really looked like a guy, you know, Halliburton's the point guard of the future. I think 100 out of 100 people will tell you that. And rightfully so. He's, he's a potential superstar in Halliburton if he continues to take the next steps forward. But when he's not there, Nemhard is showing some real signs of, I think, his ceiling being a regular starting point guard in the NBA, um, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen here because it means something has happened with Tyrese. But what I'm getting at is that he is the type of player you can count on, the type of player you can trust, and the type of player that has the skill set. And when you're getting that out of the second round, um, especially when the Pacers haven't had a whole lot of impact from the second round in previous years, I think that was really significant. And if you look at where the, guy, where the team is now individually versus preseason hopes or expectations, I would have to say um, that Nemhard has exceeded mine the most.
1: JJ, same question for you.
3: Uh, I want to give a shine a spotlight on two people. I think the
4: the natural answer for me would be Aaron Neesmith, just because I don't know that when the Pacers made that deal with the Celtics that you thought this is the key player. I just, you know, n- nothing disparagingly, but I just thought he was a player. It was someone maybe you would give a chance to, um, but there was a trade more of necessity to open up time for Tyrese Halliburton and maybe let Ma- Malcolm Brogdon have a role with a you know a championship contender. And Aaron Eastmith, the guy that went healthy, you've not been able to take out of the starting lineup. Now, mm-hmm. to be fair, there's not anyone that fits a role quite like he does behind him, but no one has challenged him. He's been a really good wing defender and he's had some moments that make you say, wow, if he could put this together consistently, you've really got something. I really think you have something regardless. We'll see what his role is moving forward, but he's overachieved. And I don't mean to say anything about Miles Turner, but I think he's overachieved or he's, he's yeah. made the biggest jump from where I'll go back to media day. I mean, so much of what I, I say is sort of, you know, I form an opinion and then I like the opinion to change and media day I didn't really know what to ask miles. Like he sat down and he was in good spirits and there was, he had already said, I'm going to address the trade rumors this one time before he came to my room. And I really didn't need to ask him that anyways, because in that situation, we're asking questions that we can run features in November and December. And I didn't know how long he was even going to be on the team. And then in late January, there's a press conference announcing his long-term contract extension and the numbers that he's put up and the leadership that we've seen. So uh, really, to me, there are two different kinds of exceeding expectations kinds of players, but I think you've got to give Miles Turner a lot of credit uh, for the player he's become and now being a foundational piece
2: moving forward. Well said. Uh, You know, I'd say let's go with – we'll go JJ first, then Pat. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have found my wife, but over the last few years, it feels like we've been speed dating. Some flings have lasted longer than others with, you know – You know, Paul George, Victor Oladipo, Sabonis, the Pacers have tried them all, searching for that franchise player. But we found it with Tyrese Halliburton. And I think the word special doesn't quite do him justice. But what have you enjoyed most about seeing Tyrese cook, as the kids say, these days?
4: I'll share just the fact that one of the first or second flights that I was on with the team this season, watching him walk to the back of the plane and talk to everybody, in the back of the plane. And maybe that's something that you would think would happen all the time, but the plane's got three sections and the players are in the front, the coaches, staff in the middle, and then additional staff in the back. And that shows how he wanted to get to know everybody. I never saw him without a smile on his face, except for a few moments in the middle of the game. And that just showed how much he was really, uh, you know, intent on trying to win and, and, you know, maybe would get frustrated at times there. But the personality, the vibe that is around this team, it is really good, and it's genuine. And, you know, just seeing his family at all the games and then knowing the two games the Pacers went to Milwaukee, how many people, even though he wasn't playing in either game, came from that area to, to watch him and to support him. He's made such an impact on so many people along the way. I'll tweet out something, and if I happen to ever hashtag or – you know, tag Iowa State Cyclones. I mean, it goes crazy. So just anytime you mention Tyrese, if you want to add their handle to your tweet, you're probably going to get some extra attention. But that just shows the impact he's had on so many people in so so many different times. So to think that he's only been with a team for 15, 16 months and the
3: impact that he has made, it makes you really excited about where things could go in the future. And Jeremiah spoke there very well about the impact that he's had, I think, in the locker room and and around the team. And I think he's somebody with his head really screwed on right. Uh, He's one of those guys, and and Miles was a little bit this way too when he was younger. Like, I I have to keep reminding myself exactly how young he is because he doesn't carry himself that way. Uh, He doesn't look that old when he's on the floor. Um, And hopefully those are the type of qualities that turn him into the type of player um, you're referencing right there. The other thing that I will add is is before the year, like going into the season, there was no doubt in my mind that if he stayed relatively healthy, which he has, um, that he would be one of the best passers in the NBA. And even going into just his third year, I felt pretty confident in that. We'd seen it in Sacramento when Fox was out. We had seen it in that final stretch of 25 or so games with the Pacers after the trade last year. Him being where he is in the assist category, it, to me, is not the least bit surprising. But what turns... And this still is a a question and a goal for him, I think. I think he's taken a huge step here, but I think he probably still has maybe one or two he wants to take, um, is his ability to score. And his efficiency numbers were great, but could he get a few more points per game? Could he be a 20, 21, 22 points per game guy that could maybe go get you 35 to 40 if you really needed it? And to be in the conversation of star slash superstar You have to do that. No matter how good of a passer you are in today's NBA, you have to be able to score. And so his ability, I think, this year to take that next step, taking a few more shots, his efficiency still tremendous, which is key and is why he finishes so high in a lot of those advanced metrics and analytics. Um, I think the 538 model, their analytic had him as a top 10 player right around the midway point of the season this year. So for him to be able to get that scoring number up with the efficiency still high... I would have said, is the biggest individual key for any pacer this year. And I thought he passed it with flying colors. So you have to love the season. You've seen that of Tyrese Halliburton. And you can only hope that, you know, he continues to build upon that in future years.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to think about what the future could be like for Tyrese if this is what he's already doing in year three. And like JJ alluded to a while ago, that COVID season was such a weird season. So I'm sure that first year probably didn't even feel like a first year for Tyrese in the NBA but you know I'm curious because I I watch every press conference that I can on YouTube or on Valley Sports or the radio and I'm just curious from both of you guys I'll start with you first Pat and you follow up JJ how uh how much time do you take in crafting your questions for Rick Carlisle because if he doesn't like your question he's not afraid to Mm -hmm. let you know so I'm just curious what that dynamic's like
3: You know, I will say, first of all, that um, Rick, the Rick Carlisle experience personally has been my favorite of any of the coaches that have been here. And, you know, um, Nate McMillan was great. Uh, Frank Vogel was great. The Nate Bjorkran experience obviously did not go well, Um, but he was somebody that I still have never talked to him in person. That was the whole COVID year. That was all over Zoom. So impossible Um, to judge a guy that way. Although I will say the guy came on with a podcast with Jeremiah and I right when he was signed and hired as the head coach and and was with us for a very long time. Um, But Rick is somebody that you absolutely have to craft your question in an intelligent way. And if you don't, if you ask a, (laughs) there are such things as bad questions in these environments and Rick's not afraid to let you know. And one of the reasons I really like it is because it challenges me. Um, I, I, I feel like while asking questions and interviewing is a strength of mine, I don't feel like it is my biggest strength. And so with somebody like him, I feel like it, it kind of forces me um, to have to work harder and even think even harder about phrasing and terminology and asking good questions. Um, but Rick is somebody that's going to treat you fair. He's been here for a couple years already. Um, I feel like I know him better than I probably knew any of the coaches um, previously just from a personal perspective. And I think his impact on the team and a young team like this is obviously massive. To directly answer your question, it's not like we spend a lot of time, or at least I don't, and I know JJ doesn't, we don't sit a lot, of, spend a lot of time like <laughs> handwriting down questions and that you just don't have the time for that in a game. But I do think you're always thinking about the way you're phrasing things, the way you're wording things. To him um, to make sure you're coming across in the way that you intend to and if you don't he'll let you know about it but Rick's fair Uh, he he is he's he's very fair and he genuinely is is a good man and I've appreciated the experiences I've gotten to interview him whether it's in a one-on-one setting or whether it's in that press conference setting after the game I have a little bit of a benefit in that I have
4: three minutes with Rick before every game one-on-one. And so what I try to do is I get all my questions in there. And so if it's an after-practice interview, I'm always there, but I actually I'll defer to the beat writers or um, even if Pat's there and I'll listen and that will help formulate what I think um, the team's sort of game plan and and the storylines might be. For the game, but then I'll save sort of my best stuff for that interview, and so um, I do think about it a lot. I don't write it down now. The first couple of years, I wanted to have everything I did scripted out, and so I actually would, even though I wouldn't be able to read it. And as I go into it now, I still only have about three minutes with him, and so it. There was a time last year I felt like I was getting four questions in, and now it's pretty much three, and maybe that's because he's more comfortable and. Uh, or the questions are better. I'm not real sure. Or maybe, you know, it was a better season. So they were more positive topics. Um, and I kind of have a little bit of a form or a little bit of a, uh, a method to it because I've got to ask a little bit about the game that just happened, something that is uh, topic related, statistic related, and then I've got to get to the opponent. So there has to be a little bit of a flow to it. But I, I like Pat, have really enjoyed all the interactions. And I do feel like this is not to be boastful, but I feel like if you go back and watch those interviews, you'll learn something about not just the game of basketball, but what he is trying to do with this team and this new era of Pacers basketball. I think he's been really open and honest. I haven't felt the cliched answers um, that sometimes you get from coaches, especially in a press conference setting. I think he's been pretty open and honest, even in the group settings and the press conferences. And that's why um, he'll he'll maybe clap back if he doesn't like the question, just how it's worded, or if he doesn't think it's fair, he'll let you know. And I think that's good. And as Pat said, it keeps us on his toes. So um, I'm always kind of thinking about what, you know, it will be the random time, whether I get out of the shower or I'm driving somewhere. And I'll think, you know, I think I'd really like to ask Rick this. I'm going to ask him about it um, before the next game. And so I do, I do appreciate that we have that opportunity and it is one of the things that I hope people um, look forward to on Pacers Live pregame. And if you don't see it, it's always on the Valley Sports Twitter account. So um, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it He does keep us on our toes, but I like to think that I learn something every day from getting to talk to him.
2: Uh, That's awesome. Part of me would love to hear you tell Rick You know, Rick, I was thinking about this earlier in the shower, but I want to ask now. (laughs) uh, I do my best
4: thinking there, seriously. We all do.
2: We all do. Just not much of us admit it, but I'm I'm spot on in agreement (laughs) with you. I need a dry erase
4: board next to the shower so all the good thoughts that I that I have and the genius ideas I can just jot them down because it's kind of like a dream. Sometimes if I don't, an hour later I forget that great
2: thought. (laughs) It's gone. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I hear you on that. But for for my last question, we'll go with Pat first. Hey, pretend this whole season flashes right in front of your eyes. What is the most fun moment of the season that immediately comes to mind? Then J.J., love to hear from you afterwards.
3: Oh, gosh. Um, you know what? I, honestly, a moment doesn't – one specific moment probably doesn't jump out to me um, specifically, although – and this is not an answer that you're probably going to expect because, as Jeremiah noted, I am not on the road – um, for for the road games, but I do cover them. So I'm in our downtown Indianapolis studio. I'm on air with Mark. I'm watching on a television set versus in person. And as it just so happens, you know, most of the um, last minute shots or the most tense moments have come on the road this year. But I think it was probably um, the Andrew Nemhard shot, and I think that was still at a time in the year where. Um, you were kind of teetering on, like, what, what exactly do we think of this team? And it was a real long road trip. And for uh, the Pacers to finish a game like that in L.A. against the Lakers, it was, it was fitting, too, because of all of the rumors at the beginning of the season that involved the Lakers and the Pacers. Um, you know, if you say one moment that flashes in front of me, it's ironically probably not one I was at, but it probably is that shot. The Lakers
4: shot. That's what you're gonna go with.
3: Yes, yes. And you can too. You were there. So like if I took your answer, you can you can take it too. Oddly enough,
4: the the Miami game is probably the one that stands out a little bit more just because I really felt like at that point this team really has something. And Tyrese Halliburton, the Pacers really have something with him because you you were able to to kind of come combine A win at Boston, where you led by like 30 points in the first half, and then uh, winning at Miami. I'll I'll peel back the curtain here. I mean, the Miami Heat are they rank really low on my uh, list of favorite teams? So to win in Miami, it's always it always feels good. And the way he was able to do that at the end of the game, and it was also the last game before Christmas. So at that point, you know they had come back from. Uh, I think losing eight of ten, and they go to Boston, win, and then they win in Miami. And you're going into a couple days off and getting ready to see family, and and thinking, man, this this is a special team. And to see him have kind of a Reggie Miller type of moment against the Miami Heat, that one probably stands out to me. But as, as Pat brought up, Andrew Nemhard, I would say honorable mention, standing in mid court at the Chase Center. Um, and interviewing Andrew Nemhard and just kind of looking around thinking he just did this against Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I mean, like, (laughs) how does this happen? So we might actually, I, Pat said, we're going to do a a season ending podcast next week. I do think that there were enough moments this year that we can probably uh, expand upon, you know, top moments of the year. And uh, those will both definitely fit in that category. And the one thing I want to say, and I, I meant to say it during the Rick Carlisle question is, um, those were on-court moments. What will stand out to me, too, in some of the the off-the-court moments, how Rick Carlisle has embraced the entire, let's say, team, the travel party, the group. There have been three or four of these team dinners that I've been invited to, which has never happened in the past. And then while I'm there, it just makes everyone feel united. And so it, it's a small thing. Sometimes that it's two hours. Um, but to have about four or or five of those um, during the course of the season, it's allowed us to get to know everybody, including Rick, and see a different side of him. And I think it's been really, really powerful and beneficial. And I don't know if this is something he had done in the past, but I do think it's a sign of of how he's, uh, you know, maybe he's learned. He's, he's come up with some different ideas. Um, but that's, I'll remember those this season. And if they continue, I think that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, I do think that's fantastic. It's just showing that you value every single individual that's a part of this team, whether they're on the court or not. So I think that's really cool. And I'll have to agree with Pat for like biggest moment that stands out just because it's hard to uh, erase the image of Kevin Pritchard running across the court, (laughs) jumping in that pile after that Andrew Nimhard shot. Uh, I'll say the best game I was at personally this year has to be the Clippers game on New Year's Eve. Those are always fun games for the Pacers, but just Tyrese taking over in that fourth quarter Against Paul George and the Clippers, I know that you know Paul George is trying to get past all the Pacers fans hating him, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. So it was just a it was a very exciting environment there. But we do have to wrap this up, guys. So I want to thank you all so much for coming on, and I'm sure you guys have seen that we've done a couple different fun little drafts. Uh, You know, we did one with Tony East this week. We did a Tony's draft, and then we had Caitlin Cooper on a couple weeks ago, and we did a food draft. So if you guys are up for it, I'll let you pick the category message me on Twitter and we'll have you back on in the next month or so and do some type of draft. And I think if you're up for it, we'll do it. I'm up for it.
4: I got plenty of time. Pat's a little busier than me. So true. You're going to have to, we're going to have to fit it in his schedule because he's Mr. Fever and that's going to get started hot and heavy. And and I know he's got some vacations planned coming up as well. So uh, once we get in <laughs> Pat's schedule, I'll, I'm
3: ready. Yeah, I probably uh, can't commit to doing it during my honeymoon. I think that I would uh, <laughs> fail the husband test if that were the case. And that is the next thing that's coming up here for me. But, hey, I'm in. I'll, I'll draft anything, anytime, anywhere, any day as long as I can. You just give me the time and the place. Okay.
2: Awesome. Looking forward to it. And congrats. I hope you have an awesome honeymoon. Yep. Uh, but before we end, tell everybody where they could find the both on social media.
4: Pat, I heard we needed to have a, a sideline guy's Twitter account. By the way,
2: you know uh, we, we we probably do,
3: but with the Pacers tweeting out our stuff, sometimes I feel like that gets confusing. And okay. so, but uh, that's just that's just my two cents. But uh, yeah, I'm at Pat Boylan Pacers on Twitter, um, and if if you're not following, you know, I, I try to bring um, as much insight as I can from a Pacers perspective, uh, but also as Jeremiah touched on. I uh, in, in the play-by-play announcer for the WNBA's Indiana Fever. And just a, a quick soapbox moment, if you don't mind. The Fever are kind of in a, in a very similar position to where the Pacers are here. They've been drafting high. Um, they have a, a new coach that they feel like is going to be, um, you know, hopefully as any time you hire a new coach, you hope they're going to be the long-term coach of the future. And I think if you're a Pacers fan listening to this and you've kind of enjoyed the reset that the Pacers have undergone, there's a lot of parallels with what the fever are undergoing as well. So I hope you'll join us on that ride. My Twitter feed is admittedly going to turn uh, a bit more, a lot more, in fact, uh, WNBA centric here coming up soon.
4: I'm at Pacers JJ on Twitter um, we'll probably back off a little bit here in the next couple of months. You might even get some uh, Kentucky Derby picks, maybe uh, early in May. Um, but I'll be, I'll be, I'll be available if anybody wants to reach out. Also on Instagram, not a great Instagrammer. Uh, every once in a while, but it's also at Pacers JJ as well.
1: Sound like Chris Denary there every time he comes on. He always ends it the same way. Follow me on Twitter. I'm not really on Instagram. I need to do better at it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but. With that being said, thank you all so much for coming on, and we will do it again soon. All
3: right. Appreciate you guys for having, right. having us.
1: Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. we gonna need a mop. Smooth.